I believe you know this is our season of exemption. Um, God never leaves himself without a witness. You know, so um, if we're in church, right, in the month of January, um, from the crossover to January, you know, um, I'm, I, I preached a message at the crossover on understanding the mystery of exemption. And um, when I was going to move into the, uh, another message, the Spirit of God told me to, you know, stay on that message. And um, a lot of prophecies were given during the crossover service, right? And some of it were already seeing it playing out, right? So um, God never leaves himself without a witness. So it's not a surprise, praise the Lord. But you know, his promise is that in the midst of the darkness, right, his glory will rise upon us. So in this season, I pray for you that in spite of the chaos you experience will be different. You will be exempted from every evil in the name of Jesus. All right, so this morning we'll continue our discourse on developing strength. And I would also like to encourage you to be sensitive in this season, especially in, as you're going out and coming in, be careful of what you say, right? Don't be out there and be criticizing any political party, right? Wisdom is profitable to direct. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh-huh, it's not your business. Only play your own part, play your role. What is your business? I believe you have your PVC, praise the Lord. If you have your PVC with your hand, maybe we send some people home from church this morning. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Is your civil right? Uh, prayerfully. We're not going to tell you who to vote for, but prayerfully, right? Engage in your civil activities. Praise the Lord. Or responsibility as it were. So this morning we'll continue in our discourse on developing strength. I believe it's been helpful, right? All right. First Chronicles 28 and verse 20. First Chronicles 28 and verse 20. First Chronicles 28 and verse 20. The Bible says, And David said unto Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you, until you have finished all the work. For the service of the house of the Lord. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 3. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 3. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 3. The Bible says, And they said unto him, Thus says Ezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children are come to birth. And there is no strength to bring forth. The children are come to birth and there is no strength to bring forth. I pray for you this morning that when you come to the place of your birthing, strength will be made available for you in the name of Jesus. So there are so many things we have established in this series in the last five discourse. We have established the reason why we need strength. We said it takes strength to bath greatness. It takes strength to step into the fullness of God's plan and purpose for your life. We have also established the fact that God only entrusts us with things that we have built the capacity to handle. Why? Because God is not given to waste. Anything you don't develop or you have not developed the capacity to manage, if you are entrusted with such things, it will fall into the bracket of excess. And in Exodus 22 and verse 29 to 30, we saw where God was telling the children of Israel that he was not going to chase, sorry, he was not going to give the land that he had promised them to them at once. He said he was going to give it to them little by little. 
you see, as a result of their capacity, what they can undo per time. He said, because if they did, the beast of the field was going to multiply against them. He said, but as they increase, then the land would also increase in their hands. Could it be that in spite of your prayer, in spite of your fasting and so many other things, the reason why certain things have not been made manifest is because we have not increased your capacity to undo those things. And we have established the fact also that strength comes from growth. The more you grow, the stronger you become. And so in the last part, um, last four messages, we've spoken about the areas in which we need to grow. We've spoken about the fact that we need to grow in our commitment. Our commitment to God, our commitment to service, our commitment to soul winning, our commitment to prayers, and our commitment to fellowship. We've also spoken about the fact that we need to grow in our consecration. We need to grow in our consecration. You see, these things are what I'll call, you know, um, when you're traveling, there's something called a mile marker, right? Um, if, you're, if you drive, you must have noticed that before. You know, sometimes we don't pay attention to those things. A mile marker is what tells you 70 kilometers. For instance, if you're traveling, you see, um, you see, uh, uh, is it a lorry now? You see a lorry, maybe 150 kilometers you say, um, or your, uh, you know, those are mile markers, right? I remember growing up, you had a lot of it on Lagos about the express road, but they are disappearing now. <laughs> so you see 50 kilometers to go. So as you get closer to your destination, you see that the, you know, um, the mile marker, the number would reduce. Now, this area in which we need to grow are the mile markers that shows how far we have come. So, to develop strength, you need to grow. And how do you know that you are growing? These are the things you begin to see. These are the indicators, right, that will let you know that I am growing as a believer, as an individual. I am growing in my walk with God. Because your growth, right, everything that is going to happen in your life is predicated upon your growth. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says that the heir is not different from a slave as long as he's a child. Did you see that? It says, now I say that the heir as long as he's a child is not different from a servant. Even though he's the Lord of all. Even though everything belongs to him. In the same way as a believer, the Bible says all things are yours. But even though all things have been made yours, everything has not been given to you. Why? Because we have not developed the capacity. We have not grown to the point where you can undo certain things. And so God in his own kindness and faithfulness will never allow certain things to come to you yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the simple illustration I've been giving, right, is a man that has all the means to buy anything for the son. And the son is five years old. And the man asks, um, the son asks the man, oh, dad, I need a gift for my birthday. And he says, what's the gift? And he says, the Range Rover. And the man buys the Range Rover and does not get a driver for the son and puts the son behind the steering. What would you call that kind of a father? A madman. Can't say he's a confused man. He's a madman. You see, the best he can get for that son at that age is a toy Range Rover. You know, there are toy Range Rovers that he can also drive at his level. <laughs> the same way sometimes when we trust God or we're praying, we're saying, God, what else do you want me to do? You've done the prayers. You've done the seed sowing. You've done the fasting. And it seems as if, ah, if God answers prayers, he should have answered me by now. How many of us you found yourself in that position before? You know you have prayed. <laughs> you know what is, what is left is not prayer. If it is prayer, you have prayed. You see, when you have prayed about certain things, 
We have fasted. We have engaged in every covenant practice you know you should engage in. And it seems as if certain things are not manifesting. Ask yourself, am I ripe for this thing? Am I mature for this thing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the Bible says no good thing. We didn't force God to say it. We didn't force him to write it in his word. I think that should be Psalms 84 in verse 11. He says no good thing will live withhold from them that walk uprightly. So is it of two things? Are you walking uprightly? That's the question you need to ask. Or have you grown to the point where, you know, you, you, you can undo that thing? The question is, is that thing good for you? Because if you have not grown to the point whereby you can undo it, right, he would not give it to you. It says, no good thing will live with told, you see, from them that walk uprightly. So it may be a good thing, but it may not be good for you yet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That thing may be a good thing, but the question is, is it good for you yet? Because whatever you have not developed the capacity to undo, that thing cannot be good. It can be destructive. Good things can end up being destructive. When you have not developed the capacity to undo those things, they end up being destructive. And that's why we need to grow. That's why we need to grow. You see, the strength of, uh, of a 30-year-old is not the strength of a 3-year-old. No matter how much the 3-year-old desires to undo so many things, he or she cannot undo it. All the child needs to do is to grow. Is to grow. Is to grow. I want you to look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, you need to grow. You need to grow. You need to grow. You need to grow. So grow in your commitment. Secondly, we said we need to grow in consecration. And please, this is very important. I said this, I think it was last week or Hopper, you know, Wednesday. If you are not growing in consecration, you will grow in carnality. Never forget that. Never forget that. Every year, your level of consecration should increase. What does that mean? There are certain things you say. Consecration simply means you are shedding certain things off your life or taking certain things out of your life. That is not necessarily a sin. But you have made up your mind that this year or this season, I want to grow in my relationship with God. And so as a result of that, I want to let go of these things. It's not that those things are necessarily sins. But because of the higher calling, you have made up your mind that I'm going to sacrifice these things. You see, sacrifice is not just financial. Consecration talks about sacrifice. A sacrifice you make willingly without God having to tell you. And see, if you are not shedding off, you see, consecration is like the shedding off of weight. If you are not shedding off weight, it will be too heavy to fly. That's why when you want to fly, they always give you the measure of weight you can carry. You can carry TV, carry the freezer in an airplane. Say, ah, this is the freezer. I, I'm emotionally attached to it. Where I'm going, I still want to be using the same deep freezer. Ask all the people that have relocated. No, there were things that they were emotionally attached to they could not take with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if you want to go by train, by road, you can carry as many loads as possible. But to fly, you measure it. They say, ah, this frame must go. Sorry, it cannot go. Or you pay for excess luggage. The reason why many of us, we have been impeded in our progress is because we are carrying excess luggage. And the way to share the excess luggage is to live a life of consecration. A life of consecration. You see, there's a level at which you get to in life that some things will become a waste if you don't let go of those things. Eating hmm. too much can become a weight on your destiny. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
That's why there is no serious, serious cult in this world. Ah, huh? That they also don't go through seasons where they stay off food, stay off pleasure, stay off sex, stay off. You see, they will just, they, they, they give them certain regimen that at this season of, of your life, maybe in the, every month, every week or whatever, these are things you should stay off from. But oftentimes, as believers, we take the liberty in Christianity, we take it with levity. We just say, oh, because thunder does not strike people. Like we see in the Old Testament. You know, that people mess up and immediately there is judgment. They say, God, God has changed. Really? He has not. He has not. He does not give instant judgment, but you are the one judging yourself. How are you judging yourself? Certain things will never happen for you because God knows you are not mature enough for it. If you have not gotten to the point whereby you can let go of certain things, see, the problem we have with people in positions of leadership and governance is this. Someone that has not developed a life of consecration whereby you see money and you don't touch it, and you now come into a position of leadership. Someone that could not take their eyes off millions. You will now say multi-millions and not take your eyes away from it. It's not possible. That's one of the things lacking. Why people become thieves. You see, oftentimes people underestimate what is required in positions of leadership. It is more than good intentions, sir. And when I get there, we, how many of us remember Emile Day? It's part of the promise. Emile Day. <laughs> and they fulfill the promise because now a lot of people are only eating Emile Day. <laughs> they promised to give Emile Day. <laughs> they passed across the message, but you didn't get it. They fulfilled their promise. It's consecration. And you see, the earlier you learn it, the better. There are certain things that you just deprive yourself of. When you begin to do those things, over time you realize that you begin to grow. Things that before you tell yourself, ah, I can't do without this thing, I can't do without... You see, one of the things I do to myself is, once I notice I'm getting attached too much to something, for instance, I uh, when we just got married, you know, during that time I was very addicted to CNN. I love watching CNN. In fact, I'll tell them, just leave it on. Even if I'm not watching it. If you change the channel and I come into the system, I say, change it back. And I just told myself, what's, what's it with this? The moment I notice I'm getting addicted to something, I deliberately cut that thing off. Deliberately. What am I doing? I'm training myself to be able to do without anything except God. It's consecration. For some of us, it is food. For some of us, it is drink. So you must take coke. As simple as those things are, is a way of consistency. If you can say no to one thing, you'll be able to say no to other things. So grow in your consecration. Grow in your consecration. What everybody is doing is not what you should be doing. The fact that everybody is doing it does not mean you have to do it. And remember, consecration is not about forsaking a life of sin. Am I making sense? It is letting go of something that is valuable to you that you would rather do, you see, and letting it go so you can have a deeper relationship with God. Next, grow in faith. He said you need to grow in faith. And to grow in faith is to grow in your daring capacity or ability because you know God will come through for you. Grow in faith. What is faith? It is acting on God's word because it is true. So let me tell us something about growth. Growth is not a gift. I hear what I'm saying. Growth is not what? It is not a gift. It is a choice. If you see anyone growing, they decided to grow. 
If you see anybody growing spiritually, you see someone growing maybe in their career, in their business, you see someone growing in their marriage, they decided to grow. It was not a gift. There is no gift of growth. In fact, there is no impartation for growth. <laughs> you know, Pentecostal Christians, we like a lot of things like that. I don't have to do anything. Once pastor just lays hands to be imparted. I don't you fly in a plane. I've been flown by a pilot that was imparted with light. How many of us will fly in such a plane? Even if he's the most anointed man of God in the world. You know, this is always say on over the intercom. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, but this is your pilot's flight. <laughs> say, I've never been to a vision school, but I was imparted. He said, yesterday, Pastor Deboe, Bishop Deboe, Pastor, mention all the name of the big men of God. They joined that and laid hands on me. So don't worry, you're at peace. I'm about to fly. What, what will you do? Because you are not imparted with such things, you learn it. Same thing with growth. No matter how much you pray for you, you can't look at a baby and be saying, baby, grow, grow, grow. You don't grow like that. The baby must do certain things that will make the baby to grow into adulthood. So growth is not a gift. It is a choice. The second thing you need to understand about growth is that it is individualistic, not corporate. Please write it down. It is individualistic, not corporate. That's why you can see a husband growing and the wife is not growing. And you can see wife growing and husband is not growing. In fact, you can see triplets or twins growing. One person is growing. The, <laughs> the Kenny is growing. The Taiwo is not growing. Or the Taiwo is growing. It's not, it's, it's not corporate. It's not corporate. That's why people can be in the same spiritual environment. You can see someone's growth. The person is just growing. And you are wondering, ah, why is this one not growing? Because it is individualistic. It's not corporate. It's not corporate. It's not corporate. The next thing you need to understand about growth is that it thrives on consistency. Growth thrives on consistency. If you are going to grow, you must be consistent with your spiritual disciplines. You must be consistent. Growth thrives on consistency. You can't do something today. You don't do it after two weeks. You now remember, you get this burst of energy. No, it's always amazing how people make resolutions at the beginning of the year. Say, so this year, I will do this, I will do that. This is February, third week. How many of those things have you done? Have you, that you started, did you continue in till now? How many of those things? Ask yourself, you don't need to answer. You know the answer. This year, I will read my Bible every day. How many Bible reading, daily Bible reading have you skipped? It's a given God understands. He understands you are not consistent. The reason why you are growing biologically is because you are eating every day. If you decide not to, you see, many of us don't know the impact of the, if you decide not to eat for two days or three days, that's when you know that the simple food you are taking is doing a lot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That food, there is something is doing. And the same way you need to realize that the same way if eating physically sustains you biologically, there are things that if you are not consistent in the practice of those things, when you miss it for one day, it will not show. I read a quote many years ago in a book, one of, you know, 
a book, Success Principles by Jack Canfield. That coach was talking to his, you know, his team members. He said, if I don't practice for one day, he said, I will know. He said, if I don't practice for two days, he said, you will know. He said, if I don't practice for three days, my audience will know. It's always a progression. You see, when you are not consistent in the practices that will make you grow, the effect does not show immediately. So maybe as a man, you are not growing. One day you just realize that you speak to your wife somehow. You will first start feeling the effect that something is already going wrong. If you don't do something about that process, one day you will slap your wife. Nobody really wakes up except if they have a serious dysfunctional upbringing and they need help very fast and wakes up and say, I want the woman that you paid bride price for, uh, that you prostrated. I always haunt my brother in you know, When he does, I say, you, on our wedding day, you said that I was prostrating for you. <laughs> I like to haunt him with it. Nobody in their right frame of mind goes through all those processes and decides to be beating that woman. Nobody does that. But you see, it's always canal, it seeps in gradually. It seeps in until one day you find yourself that you are far gone. Nobody runs mad like that overnight. It's always over time. It's always over time. It's always over time. So when you're not consistent in the spiritual disciplines that is required to make you grow, the effect will soon show. And the thing about when the effect begins to show is that sometimes. <laughs> the damage that would have been done when the effect begins to show might be irreparable. That's what always happens. I pray you will not be that far gone in Jesus' name. You also need to grow in sensitivity. You already said that. But the part I've not spoken to us about is the reasons for insensitivity. And I think it's very important I talk about that before we wrap up this series. Reasons for insensitivity. Reasons for insensitivity. Remember in Isaiah 42 and verse 18. The Bible says, Hear ye deaf, and look ye blind. It says that you may see. It says, Who is as blind but my servant? Who is blind but my servant? Or deaf as my messenger that I sent? It says, Seen many things, but you observe not. Opening the ears, but he hears not. So growing sensitivity is to grow in your ability to see what will happen before others see it. And as a believer, if you are going to be strong, you must be sensitive. See, anybody can see things before they happen. It's not the exclusive preserve of pastors. Because there are even pastors who don't see what's going to happen anyway. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As long as you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit, you have the capacity. You see, nothing should happen to you as a surprise. Whatever happens to you as a surprise is an area of your life you are not paying attention to. Am I making sense? I remember, I think it was 2019 stroke 2020. You know, when I was writing the declarations of faith for 2020, Nothing just kept coming into my spirit, you know. That was when we included it in our confessions, you know. Um, what's that line again? I'm trying to remember, you know. We're immune against every disease. If every virus that comes in contact with our body dies instantly. The Spirit of God just began to, you know, move me in that direction. I didn't have the full picture, but I just knew something was coming. I would say, ah, it's because you are a pastor. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I'm a pastor. The same way you can know what will happen in your industry. I've told us before about a friend of mine in their church, the year that this um, stock market thing crashed. 
you know, and then one of their leaders was watching TV with the wife. And that was when they showed it on the TV where they had most of their investments, you know, the thing had gone south. And the wife just screamed, like, yeah, we are in trouble. The husband just said, calm down. He said, calm down, okay. Do you know? He just said, I already sold everything two weeks ago. He said, ah, you are a real man. <laughs> Why? Because two weeks before the thing crashed, God told him to sell all the stocks. That's sensitivity. That's sensitivity. You know, you can be sensitive that <laughs> you are supposed to go in a direction. And the Holy Spirit will say, don't go on that trip. Because on that trip, you see, I remember when the September 11th thing happened in the United States, that was 2001. There were some people that that morning they woke up and they gave the testimony afterwards. Not that I had, that I watched. They woke up that morning and the Holy Spirit said, don't go to work. Because their workplace was in the Twin Towers. And they were not preachers. So every one of us, because to be sensitive is to know what will happen. That's why the Bible says that the prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself. He foresees the evil. The prudent man, not the prudent spirit. The prudent man. If you are a man, then it means you should be able to foresee what is going to happen. Then you should be able to hide yourself as a result of what you have seen. So why is it that every one of us, we don't get to that place of sensitivity? Number one. Is an obsession with natural concerns. Obsession with natural concerns. Obsession with natural concerns. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. Can we read it together? One to go. Set your affection on things where? Above. Not on what? On things on the earth. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. That's what Jesus was also trying to say in Matthew chapter 6. I think we should see it. Matthew 6, 30 to 32. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30 to 32. Can we read it together? Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today he is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we be clothed? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Did you see that? God says, I know you are supposed to eat. I know you are supposed to drink. I know you are supposed to put clothes on. He said, But that cannot be your obsession. That can't be what you are living for. You can't be living for the latest bag. Living for the latest iPhone. You see, if you are too obsessed, now those things are necessities of life. But if that is what you are living for, it will be impossible for you to pick up the signals of heaven. God will be trying to talk to you. He will be speaking, but you will not be hearing. Why? Because you are obsessed with natural concerns. And it's telling us that these are the things that the Gentiles seek after. So you cannot be seeking after those things. Gentiles are those that are unbelieving. That don't believe in your God. He says they have no choice. They have to run after those things. They have to run after what to eat, what to drink, what to put on. He says, but you can't live like that. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of such things. So those things, you are supposed to attract them, not to run after them. That's why it says, seek for the kingdom of God in the 33rd verse. He says, and his righteousness says, and all these things will be added to you. 
So if you want to be sensitive, you want to, you know, get insensitivity out of the way, you must focus on the things that are above, not the things that are on the earth. Because let me tell you this, no matter what's on the earth, uh, it will pass away. There will always be a new passion. See, I made my peace with it years ago and it has helped me. Whatever you can't afford today, you will afford a better one next year. I hear what I'm saying. Nothing is at its height of perfection yet. You can't afford that TV now. You will afford a better TV. Years to come. You can't afford that car now. A better car will come. So don't be obsessed with, hey, what if I don't have this now? What? Second reason for insensitivity is a poor prayer life. A poor prayer life or a lack of a prayer life. For some people, it's not that they have a poor prayer life. They don't even have a prayer life. The only time they pray is in church. That's the only time they remember that they are even supposed to pray. They have time for every other thing but prayer. If you are not given to prayer, you will never be sensitive. Because it's in the process of prayer that your sensitivity gets sharpened. Especially praying in the spirit. See, I want to give you an assignment. If you can do it, it will save you and help you a lot. In the next one week, try it. Speak in tongues for one hour every day for seven days. By next week Sunday, you will see what will happen to you. I'm telling you. You can say, oh, I can't make it my lifestyle. No problem. Just do it for one week. You can, it doesn't have to be early in the morning. It can be late at night. But try it. Set it as a target for yourself, as a standard. I even want to give this thing a shot. You will be amazed how much we know things that you will not be able to explain how you know those things. You'll be amazed. Because when you pray in the spirit, what happens is that your spirit man comes alive. You begin to see things from God's frequency. You just begin to, you see, sometimes I know things that even me, myself, I can't explain how I know those things. I just know that I know those things. If you are not giving to prayer, you can never hear from heaven. Never. And if you are not hearing from heaven as a believer, it means you are not growing. It means you are not growing. The next reason for insensitivity is talkativeness. Talkativeness. <laughs> in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19, the Bible says, in the mouth, I think we need to see this. Please, let's have it on the screen. This will be a message for someone. Can we read it together? I want to go. In the multitude of words, there wanted what? Not sin. But he that refrain his lips is what? If you talk too much, you will be lying. I hear what I'm saying? You don't always have to say something. Talkativeness does not only lead to lie. It's not good for your spirit. When you are always talking and talking and talking and talking, your mind and your spirit will be too clogged up to hear from God. That's the reason why some people never hear. So God is not speaking. He's speaking, but you and God cannot be talking at the same time. You are always talking. But some of you, when you, are do, you don't have someone to talk to physically, you are talking on the phone. When you are not talking on the phone, you must just say something. And you are wondering why you never receive divine instruction. It can't happen. Colossians 
sorry, Proverbs 10 and verse 19, in the multitudes of words, there wants nothing. The next reason for insensitivity is noise. 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 Or what you call lack of quietness. You see, noise is not just what happens when you are on the street, on the road, or on the highway, and there is so much honking. And... No, 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 no. You can even be making noise by yourself. This device is enough noise. It can give you enough noise while you are alone by yourself. Sometimes, you see, let me tell you this. You must make it a lifestyle sometimes. I know today it seems as if it's very difficult for us to live without our phones. But for those of us that are old enough, can you remember what your life was like before these mobile phones came into existence? Can we remember? The first iPhone was, you know, launched, was it 2007 or 2009? This is not even up to 30 years. But now we're living our lives as if we cannot do without. Sometimes leave your phone at home and have a peaceful day. You will not die. Because everywhere you turn to, there is noise. There is noise. In fact, some of us are even part of the noisemakers. If you don't post something on your status per day, it's as if everyone wants to fall. What will happen? It's so bad that some of us, we are, we are so active, we are so much of an active noisemaker, that if we don't post something for one week, people will start calling you to check if you are okay. It tells you how much of a problem you have. I'm telling you. It's not that you are a business person. You are not posting business related stuff. Oh. People will have to start calling you. Are you okay? Are you alright? Such things makes it very difficult for you to hear from God. Please pay attention to my choice of words. I'm not saying such things make it difficult for God to speak to you. I'm saying it makes it difficult for you to hear from God. Because God is always speaking. But what you need to do is to get the noise out of the way. What did I say is noise? You can't wake up in the morning and you have heard from like 50, 60 people. But some of us, you have heard from like 1,000 people. What do I mean by that? When you are scrolling through your feeds, you are hearing from people. You have heard from 1,000 people, you now want to hear from God. Even when God speaks, you can't recognize it. His voice will be lost in the crowd of voices. See, one of the things you can do for yourself is the first one hour of your day or first two hours, don't go on anything media. Don't go on anything media. The more you go on media when you wake up, you see, as you wake up and you go on media, you have made it very difficult to hear from heaven that day. I'm telling you. Carry out these things as an exercise and you will see the difference it will make in your life. Some of us are using how you will know there's already a problem is that it's very difficult for you to do some of this. Ah, I will not two hours. There's already a problem. It's already a problem. So ah, is my alarm clock. Buy traditional alarm clock. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31 to 32, Jesus said to his disciples. Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. The Bible says, For there were many people coming in and going, and they had no leisure so much to eat, and they departed into a deserted place by sheep privately. Jesus understood the power of quietness. Sometimes we just need silence. 
Everything should just be quiet. See, if you want to hear from God, one of the things you need to do is to create pockets of silence in your life. If he doesn't speak the first day, no problem. Create the pocket of silence the next day. In one of those moments of silence, haven't you noticed in, his, um, in, in Elijah's experience with God, the Bible says that when Elijah was in the cave, there was thunderings, there was a lot of noise and everything. It says, but God was not there. He says, and God came in a still, small voice. Another reason for his sensitivity is hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. Your heart becomes hardened with constant and habitual disobedience to God and authority figures. Hardness of heart simply means, you know, some people even take pride in it. say, me, ah, I'm a stubborn person, I know. Your heart is hard. It's not that you are a stubborn person. Your heart, that's the real word. That's a scriptural word for it. Hardness of heart. Some people are so heady, <laughs> that even God needs a sledgehammer to break their hearts for anything to penetrate. And they take pride in it. You see, God does not waste his time with people who will not do anything about what he tells them. So he knows that your mind is already made up. And you say, ah, God speak to me. He's not going to speak to you. Because there are so many other people that are willing to carry out what he's saying. So you'd rather speak to those people. The next reason for his sensitivity is failure to train the human spirit. Failure in training the human spirit. I'm going to do a different message entirely on that. How to train your human spirit. You see, the same way we train our body and we train our soul, we can train our spirit. We can train our spirit. If you read the book for the month in January, right, how to be led by the Spirit of God, you will see something like that in that book, how to train the human spirit. If you are not training your spirit, your spirit will not pick up the signals of heaven. I hear what I'm saying. You need to train your spirit to recognize the voice of God. There are people whose voices you recognize today because over time you've been trained in recognizing their voice. So that's that about growing in sensitivity. Also, you need to grow in generosity. You need to grow in generosity. You need to grow in generosity. Generosity to God and generosity to men. How do we know you are growing? You are becoming more generous. Children are very selfish. Have you noticed? You can give a child something now. Ask for that thing five minutes later. The child said, the child can even be crying. And you'll be wondering, was I not the one that gave you? I like to teach such children lessons. I will take it forcefully. I say, I'm the one that gave you. Give it back to me. It's a lesson in generosity. And let me tell you this. If you have kids around you that have such attitudes, you need to forcefully train them. That's how my parents trained us. When we're growing up. <laughs> And your food has been served. And you don't eat your food on time. And there is a visitor. Your food automatically becomes the visitor's food. <laughs> but I was like, ah, you are welcome. You are welcome. You are welcome. Aki, you will be the one to serve the person. And they know you are not born well to frown your face. The visitor will now be wondering, is it your food? You will serve it willingly with a smile on your face. As I were trained. That's why it's a date. 
There's, there's hardly anything I can't give away. Hardly. If there is, I don't have any memory of it. I don't have any memory of it. You see, how do you know a man has grown? He's more generous to his family. A, an immature man, we have money. The family will need money. It will be hiding money. That's an immature man. An immature man, we have plenty shoe. Different color. The wife will be competing with the wife in color. You know, there are some men like that. See, as a man, you can't compete with a woman in clothes, you know. Except you want to die before your time. Because the blue alone, you have like 10 different blues. You do want to be wearing those kind of three different blue. You, you only need one blue. But as a man, you only need two shoes. Black and brown. It goes with everything. <laughs> if you want more, that's up to you, right? But maturity is demonstrated through generosity. So if you realize that your generosity level is dropping, go and check it, you are not growing. Either to men or to God, you are not growing. Because one of the things will happen as you begin to grow and mature is that there will be a natural tilt. It will just come to you naturally to be generous. To be generous, both to God and to men. That people who have to be, that's why the Bible, I've forgotten where it is in Proverbs, where it's in Proverbs, when it says that if your neighbor comes to you and what the neighbor is asking for is in your hands, he says, don't tell the neighbor to go and come back tomorrow when it is in the power of your hands to do something about it. That's generosity. Don't make people feel as if they are at your mercy because you are generous to them. And let me tell you this, don't hold it over people's head because you gave them something. That's no longer generosity, that's manipulation. You know, there are some people that once they do something for you, you better don't offend them. You can't even speak your mind when it is opposite to what they are thinking. They will look at you, eh, it's not your fault. They will just look at the shoe you are wearing because they gave you the shoe. What's that? What's that? See, let me tell you how to be free in life. Never collect things from people that will hold it over your head. I have that principle. Is everybody I collect things from? If I collect something from you and I know that... I will know you will take my some gifts will take your voice. <laughs> you know, there are, in some marriages, even like that, the moment the husband buys something for the wife, the wife can't talk for that week. Uncle, you have a serious problem. Problem. Serious one. Because, see, let me leave that. We talk about love lounge next week. <laughs> Praise God. So, growth in generosity. Growth in generosity. Next is growth in demonstration of honor. Or you can say growth in honor. Growth in honor. How do we know you are growing as a believer? You are growing in honor. You are growing in honor. You are growing in your demonstration of honor. In Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, God asked the children of Israel, He said, The son honors his father. And a servant is master. It says, if I then be your father, where is my honor? He said, if I'm your master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. So you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? See, as a believer, the more you grow, the more your honor for God and the things of God should increase. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
your level of honor for God and the things of God should increase. That's how we know you're growing. Oh, maybe before you wouldn't take spiritual um, practices seriously. Fellowship is not a big deal to you. But as you grow, your priority for fellowship should increase. How we know you are growing is that before, and you, you don't even feel bad when you wake up on a Sunday morning and you don't go to church. But now you wake up as tired as you are. Something tells you, ah, I need to be in church. Then you are growing. Because now you understand the place of giving to God what belongs to God. And so let me tell you, the thing about worship, especially corporate worship, the beautiful thing about it is that it's a way of giving to God the first part of your week. You know why? Your week begins on a Sunday. So when you dedicate the first few hours of your week to God, it's a way of demonstrating to God that God, I honor you. Why do we give to God the first portion of our income? It's a way of honoring God. God will never need it. You think it's your tithe God used to pay road in heaven. So when they need to pay more road, they say, oh yeah, send me. No, 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 no. Everything we give him is even from what he has given us anyway. It's a demonstration of honor, first and foremost. Anything, see, and let me tell you the thing about honor is honor must be done first. Honor must be done first. Honor must be done first. <laughs> I did something during the course of the week. There's a chair that's normally in my office. So I brought it to the sitting room and I told everybody in the house, I said, this is daddy's chair. I said, nobody sits on it. I said, it's a lesson in honor. I said, I don't care who comes to our house, nobody sits on it. I only sit on it. Many things have been lost in this generation. You see many homes, there's even no difference between father and mother. Everybody's the same. I said, this is my chair. I may not even sit on it, but let it be known, this is daddy's chair. It's a lesson in honor. Of course, anybody that is sensitive enough, when you enter, you even see that the chair is different from every chair. So you can't enter and that's the first chair you go to sit on. It will be a lecture day for you. It will be a lecture day for you. Honor. Honor. See, let me tell you this. The reason doors of favor has been closed against so many people is because they don't understand the simple principle of honor. Everybody's not the same. The same way God is not the same. There are people in your life that can never be the same. Like I was saying at the Life Masterclass this morning, your boss cannot receive the same treatment as your colleague. You're about to lose your job because you don't understand that simple difference. And what is honor? Honor is a recognition of difference. Honor is a recognition of difference. So when you honor God, you are trying to say, God, I understand that you are different from every other person in my life. You come first. Honor is a recognition of difference. So you must learn to grow in your honor. Grow in your honor. Honor to God. Honor to human beings. And please realize everybody is not the same. Everybody is not the same. You have had people say things like, we are all the same before God. Please, where is the chapter and the verse in the Bible? Because there are so many statements that people make that it actually sounds right, but it's not scriptural. Say, so we are all the same. It's not in the Bible because we are not all the same. Everybody is not the same. Everybody is not. So grow in your understanding and your demonstration of honor. Next, grow in value. Grow in value. As a believer, the more you grow, the more your value should increase. 
your value to God's kingdom and your value in the marketplace. So the fact that you are growing spiritually does not mean your value should drop in your workplace. In fact, it's a demonstration of spirituality when you become more valuable in your workplace. How do I know? Joseph had the work with God. And because of that, in Egypt, he rose. Daniel and his friends, they had the working relationship with God. And as a result of that, in Babylon, they rose. But you, because we have a relationship with God, he said, it's because of my, I'm a Christian, that's why they are beefing me. It's a lie. It's a lie. I don't agree because it's not scriptural. You know, you hear people say such funny things. They say, it's because I'm a Christian. And they know in this office I'm a Christian. So everybody is against me. If you are valuable, they will not be against you. And let me tell you this. In life, huh, you are either dependable or you are disposable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are disposable, it means you don't have value. And that's not an insult. Even to God, some people are useless to God. Because God can't use them for anything. You guys are looking at me funny like, what do you mean? <laughs> See, if you are in a place, let's say you work in an office, and it's time for you to take your leave. If you tell the people at the helms of affairs and you say it's time for you to leave, if they ask why, then it means you have value, you are dependable. If they ask when, it means you are disposable. They've been waiting for you to leave. They just didn't know how to tell you. Because they don't even want to know why you are leaving. When? Because your living is an answered prayer. So grow in your value. Make up your mind that as a believer, this year I'm going to grow in value. I'm not going to stay at the same level I've always been. I'm going to add more value to my industry, add more value to my workplace, such that people will see me and like Jesus said, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. He says, let your light so shine. Nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. You are into business. Let that business increase in value. You can't keep doing business in 2023 the same way you did it in 2021. And you are still giving COVID-19 as an excuse. <laughs> I think it was it Thursday or Friday? I can't even remember. Showing something on CNN and they were talking about China finally, you know, crossed the... I've forgotten how they put the English, the something of COVID-19. I first said, and I was just busting to laughter. I said, COVID-19, you are still the one COVID-19. The one has left you guys alone <laughs> with your disease. <laughs> you know, some people are still like that. 2023, they are just saying, hey, it was as a result of ripple effect of lockdown. Lockdown in 2023. How irresponsible can you be? Grow in value. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, grow in value. You've got to grow in value. See, valuation is so powerful that some people go to university to learn about it. The value of a thing is very powerful. And see, if you are not increasing in value, you are decreasing in value. So you must make up your mind to grow in value to the kingdom of God and in the marketplace. And last but not the least, as I begin to round up this morning, have you been blessed? Grow in submission. Grow in submission. Grow in submission. Grow in submission. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. The Bible says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
It says, and be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks all things for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What is submission? In simple terms, it is the action of accepting, the act of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. I'm going to say that again. Submission is the act of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. So when we say that you should grow in submission, we're simply talking about growing in submission to God. Submission to his will for your life. Submission to his plan for your life. You know, it's amazing that sometimes people know what God's will for their life concerning specific areas. But because they are so sense rude, they say, no, ah. It's just like, let me give you a practical example. <laughs> Maybe a, as, as a lady, a Christian lady, a guy is asking you out or two guys are asking you out. <laughs> and one is an unbeliever, but he has money. The other one is a believer. It's not broke, because if you are broke, you should not be asking out. Praise God. Yeah. Or else, we need to beat you seriously. <laughs> you have not been hearing me. <laughs> it takes finance to run romance. So don't add trouble to your trouble. Sort yourself first. He's not broke. He's making money. He has a job. But you are now making a decision of who to spend your life with based on money. Ah, something is wrong with you. You know why? The Bible says riches develop wings and they fly like a, like a bird towards heaven. See, very few things are as fickle and as transient as money. The person that you think does not have money today, now does that mean that automatically you now go for the person with the lesser money? That's not what I'm saying. But many people will get to a point and say, ah, do I even need, what's, what's there to pray about? When you hear people talking like that, it means they are not submitted to God's will. It means they are not even interested in finding out God's will. When you hear people saying things like, what's there to pray about? Ah, ah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that some people, when you say, let's pray about this thing, they are, has it now come to that? How many of us have asked something before? Has it come to that? That should be the first thing you should do. No, has it, has it, has it now come to that? That should be the first response. Some people, if they even pray when there is nothing to do, oh yeah, let's go pray about it as a last resort. You need to grow in your submission. And how do you submit to God's will? You need to know his word. What has he said about what you are going through? That decision you want to make in your finances. What has he said about your finances? What has he said about your relationship with your fellow man? Sometimes you may be right and the other person is wrong. But because God's word says that you should live at peace with all men, submission to God's will simply means that you will rather let go of your rights. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's submission to his will. I would rather let go of my rights and do what God's word says. I may be hot, but I'm submitted to God's will. Not trying to prove no, no, you don't understand. You don't. <laughs> There's nothing to understand. Submit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said, so let me tell you this. If you can't submit to God, you can't submit to another human being. That's why the first thing to look out for singles in anyone is their love for God. 
Because if you love God, you will submit to his will. It's easier for someone to submit to another human being when they've submitted to God. Someone that is in tussle with God can never be in submission to another human being. They are the ones, they are the ones you will see that they will be causing problems at the workplace. Always causing problems. Always causing problems. Submission to God's will. Submit to God's will for your life. Submit to his guidance. Submit to his purpose for your life. What do I mean by his guidance? When he tells you something, don't pretend as if you didn't hear. You know, the amazing thing about divine guidance is when God is speaking to you, you're the only one hearing. And it's very easy to disobey, like Balaam. They told Balaam, don't go with that man and his emissaries. He says, God, but they have brought money. God said, don't go. He still went back to pray. God said, oh yeah, go. And I said, ah, finally God has spoken. Did he speak? You know, sometimes never forget that God is a father. And the same way children can be annoying. Sometimes when they're asking for some things. Some of us in our prayer, we are annoying. God will just say, just go. I will now do those things and will now enter trouble. And I say, ah, but God, you are the one that told me to go. What was the first thing I said? It's what God always says. What was the first thing? Don't go. You know, the disobedience of Balaam actually blinded him to seeing what he should have seen. His donkey was the one that now saw into the realm of the spirit. What the prophet should see, he could no longer see because money had blinded him. Be submitted to God's will for your life. Be submitted to whatever he tells you. See, I've learned something and it has helped me and it will help you. When God tells you to do something, you don't need to find out the details. First, obey. I'm saying, God, why, why will you tell me not to do that? Why will you tell me not to go there? Why will you? Don't be a child. Grow up. Have you been blessed? 